Hi everybody, welcome to another one of our ranking Disney episodes. This is where we take a year of all the films from the Walt Disney Studios and we rank them and uh, it can be a very interesting experience depending on the year. Today we are doing 2013 for Walt Disney Studios and I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Stanford is here. Hi there. Yes. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, I'm well. Good. What an interesting year. I know. Yeah, yeah. we should like, state up front that, honestly, most of these movies I was not a huge fan of. There are 12 films altogether from the various studios. And I would give positive, fresh scores to five of them. Yeah. <laughs> the rest are all horrible. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see where we uh, where we differ in our rankings, as yes. always. I know. It's always <laughs> fascinating. I know this, it seems like they're always different kind of for the lower tier. And yeah. Maybe we don't have it in the exact order, but often we're kind of in sync, at least like with the top four or five, yeah. right? Yeah, that's true. So that's that'll true. be fun to see how we, how we land with this one. Just because I'm with you. The movies aren't that great overall. No. no. Yeah. Well... I will put a list of all of the movies in the description. So if y'all listening, if you want to leave your uh, your rankings, yes. uh, that would be really fun. Absolutely. So let's dive in. Let's start with number 12. Okay. Why don't you share your number 12? Well, my number 12 is the Disney nature entry of the year, Wings of Life. Yes. Uh, I, I I missed this one in the theater, so I watched it on Disney Plus. This, you know, just for this yes. for this uh, uh, podcast. And oh my gosh, I hated it so much. I that you and I corresponded a little bit during. <laughs> you were nice to help me through it. I hate you know, as we've discussed in previous ranking episodes, I'm just not a big fan of nature documentaries in general. And this one was just pure torture because it's, I mean. Number one, they just the way that they it's it's marketed at least with the poster and everything you know that you see it's you know butterflies and hummingbirds and stuff, but it's really it's kind of about pollination, yeah, really, and and there you know <laughs> bees and bats and all these just these horrible creatures, <laughs> and then but honestly the for me Rachel the thing that was most intolerable if I'm using the word correctly was the script and the narration. So it's Meryl Streep, and you think, okay, I mean, they get an A-list person to, to narrate this, and she's got a lovely voice, of course, and delivers the lines great, but it's all from the point of view of the flower. So she's, like, talking like she's a flower, and I was so, <laughs> I guess, just annoyed. It's just like, this is so stupid. I hated it. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> The photography, of course, is beautiful. Yeah. But oh, enough of my ranting. What did what did you what did I guess what did you have as tw at twelve? And we can <laughs> compare. So you know that I have, in general, kind of stood up for these nature yes. documentaries. They beat Star Wars on several occasions, which is scary. <laughs> um, but I can't defend the Wings of Life. It is my number twelve. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just, I mean. I just can't with the bugs. It's just not uh, like I can handle penguins. I can handle lions, bears, chimpanzees, all of that. 
I can get it. But when you get to bugs, I'm sorry. I'm out. Oh, it's so disgusting. And then honestly, <laughs> when the bats showed up yeah. in slow motion, I just honestly <laughs> wanted to puke. And and uh, <laughs> and we uh, obviously we love Meryl. She's incredible. But absolutely, even she can't save it. It's no. just. It is a slog, and it's just, I just can't be made to care about bugs. Like, yeah. they're an important part of our ecosystem, of course. But that doesn't mean I need to watch a movie about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and uh, I, you know, I think, frankly, I think it's poorly titled, even though many of these creatures, clearly they're flying creatures. But, yeah, um, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's not as much of the butterflies as you know. No, hardly. I mean, there's some, and they're beautiful. You know, again, beautifully filmed and interesting. But even now, it's like, oh, this is so gross. Because you can't really make a movie about butterflies because they're in the cocoon half the time, right? So what? <laughs> and, and you know, they can't kind of follow one of the classic Disney nature things, or even just Disney True Life adventure thing, where yeah. where there's like a family unit. You know, and there's like this story about a family unit. It's like, I guess it could have been worse. It could have been like the bat family. And then they, you know, talk about, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, the yeah. breeding and all the, the birth and all the stuff of these creatures. Like, oh, but yeah, it's anyway, not torture, it, torture. I agree. <laughs> it's the worst of the Disney nature films by yeah. far. And the worst film of 2013 from, yeah. from Disney, too, because this is that we both. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what do you have at number 11? Okay. So at number 11, I have um, Planes. Yeah. So yeah. I also have Planes. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, I know we had talked about the, the Planes sequel in a previous mm-hmm. ranking. What what was your what was your take on planes? This one, I mean, this one, the original, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I guess harmless for little kids if they like planes. But I mentioned last time that I feel like kids don't really like planes that much. You know, like yeah. I never really see kids with planes as opposed to like a whole bunch of you know cars that are cars. With. Like mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It just. It's just a very like generic story. The animation is serviceable. It's fine, yeah. but I would rather watch any of the other movies ahead of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I think the sequel is is better. If I was going to watch a Planes movie, I would rather watch the sequel personally. Okay. I yeah. think it's better. Yeah, I thought this this one um was so frustrating to me cuz again, I'm with you, you know, because I love the Cars universe so much, and this just some of some of the aesthetics choices I like. I thought the story was really, yeah, you know, not great, and and uh, anyway, just yeah, it didn't work for me. And also, you know, they they had they put this in theaters back in 2013. Mm-hmm. I remember I went and saw it, not expecting <laughs> much, you know, just it was a movie slot moment, you know, to go see it in a theater, but it. uh Oh, I just remember leaving the theater saying, wow, what a waste. And and I wondered even even the little kids that were around me. I I, I wasn't with any kids, you know, or any family members at the time for the, you know, to to see it. I think I went with a friend, but but uh they uh even the little kids that were that were around me, I remember them being very bored 
they were really antsy and you know running around and stuff and i don't know maybe they were just you know antsy generally but i just thought you know this movie is even boring the, the audience that it's intended intended um, for yeah i don't know it just it's at best forgettable but yeah i would just rather watch like i said either the sequel but i would certainly rather watch the cars films because even yes even cars 2 has a zaniness to it mm-hmm. that a weirdness to it that's kind of entertaining we we're talking on uh on Twitter the other day about the um, Pope mobile and that Catholicism <laughs> exists. <laughs> yes. So that's kind world. of like brain things yeah. uh, that you can have while watching, uh, <laughs> while watching cars too. Yeah. And make it more entertaining than anything in, in this. Well, and the quality of the animation. Yeah. Too. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah, it has lots of flaws, but it is a, a very yeah. oh, pretty movie. It's, it's totally full of flaws, but but yeah, yeah, but more definitely more watchable. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we've agreed so far. Yeah. Let's see about number ten. Do we agree? This could be a short ranking video. I mean, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's going? Uh, you or me? Yeah. 10. What do you have at ten? I have the Lone Ranger. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> It's rough set. It really is. Yeah. It is long and uh I mean it does have a few fun uh, pieces of action sequences. Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of action sequences that are really well done. Yeah. yeah. But at two and a half hours long, it feels it. And Johnny Depp and Army Hammer don't have any chemistry no together. Chemistry, yeah. And they're just sort of flat and uh, it feels like them all trying to recreate the magic of the the pirates movies but just with none of that energy yeah it's really it was really a bummer because i thought that the film had potential you know and i didn't necessarily mind army hammer's performance but it seemed to me that it's such a critical relationship is the relationship he has with Tano, you know? And then, and as you said, you know, the, no, no, you know, no chemistry and yeah. um, just not, yeah, just really, really a disappointment. There's also some really weird dark moments in the movie. Yeah. Like when yeah. the guy eats the, the oh. um, brother's heart. That was so weird. gross. Yeah. And the whole the whole structure of it of telling the story to the little boy yeah that didn't work <laughs> that felt like you cut all of that out for sure mm-hmm. and uh it just feels awkward like i know that they said that that johnny depp has some native american ancestry but i don't know i think they should have got someone else i it was yeah just and I, I had wondered about that if if they had cast if they had put had a different cast, you know, if they actually hired a Native American, you know, or someone who's got primarily Native American blood, you know, uh, and and uh, and and again hiring for for better chemistry, et cetera. But there's but still, um, the story was convoluted. I'm with you. I didn't really like the the the, the uh, narrative, and. I was impressed with that um, one of those train sequences. Yeah. I know that they had spent a lot of money and built a really fancy set, 
and all that. And 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 it was I thought some of the cinematography was was, mm-hmm. was good and 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 it had a bit of a wow factor, but it just wasn't consistent throughout mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, and the the bad guys don't work at all. Yeah, they don't work. I mean, he usually is great, but I don't like him in this. And Helena Bonham Carter is terrible in this yeah, movie. Yeah, she's terrible in it. And I normally love her. I do, too. She's normally just like one of my favorites, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a bad deal. Yeah, I agree. It was a missed opportunity. And it's just so strange to me because... I don't understand why it is that Disney just does not seem to be able to make a new successful franchise. Yeah. You know, that every single time that they have tried, it has been underwhelming since the Pirates movies. Yep. Like even something this year, like Jungle Cruise, which was fun, was okay. It was not what I was hoping it would be from the trailers and movies. I was hoping it would be really great, and it was just okay. It was just okay, yeah. yeah. Jungle Cruise was 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 fun, but not great. Yeah, and, and I just why why can't I mean I guess it's it's a tough thing to start a franchise, but yeah, like, you would think that Disney, with all of its brain power and creatives involved, that they would have be able to come up with something. I mean, mm-hmm. what was the first Pirates movie? That was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. What well, was it? Too, like 2003? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And so that means for practically 20 years, they have not been able to get a single new franchise off the ground. Yeah. That's not tied to one of their existing IPs. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, weird. it's very strange. But anyway, yeah, Lone Ranger, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> And we both have it at number 10. We both have it at number 10. I wonder if now, maybe now we'll start uh, diverging a little bit. We'll have yeah, to... I went back and the next four, I oh, moved were hard. around a lot. They I were hard to place. Yeah, they were uh, hard. So what do you have at nine? At nine, I have Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, I have that at eight. So almost. Okay, so not, <laughs> uh, not, not too far off. No. Uh, I really debated about putting this above of the Marvel films just because I think it's so pretty. Uh, yeah. But I really, really don't like Emilia Kunis's character in this movie. She is so annoying. She's <laughs> talk about bad casting. Oh yeah. And I normally think she's fine, but uh, it didn't work. It, she's terrible in this, and. Uh, and James Franco is just so flat and bland, and the movie is so boring. I was just yeah, like, uh, it's over two hours long, and it is very pretty. Yeah, but... I thought you know the CGI was was looked great because because mm-hmm. that's that's all it was, you know, right? Was the C- total CGI fest, but but uh, yeah, I think James Franco. Just couldn't carry it, no. and uh, and uh, I didn't. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't like Mila Kunis. I didn't really like Michelle Williams in the role in, in it either. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that Hollywood has just completely failed in any new adaptations of Oz? Like, I mean, from Return to Oz, which I hate. There's <laughs> there's this Oz the... and Powerful. There's The Wiz, which is pretty terrible. I mean, it's okay as a play, but. It's not a great movie. Yeah, um, it, I know there's been others, but why do you 
think that was, there's so much potential there, but it has not been the Muppets Oz is awful. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> every yeah. time there every has time. not been a successful, unless you count wicked as you know, being a, a spinoff yeah. of a movie, but it seems like wicked, the wicked, the stage production is the only thing that's even come close. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, that's a really good question, Rachel. You know, I mean, the first thing that came into my mind is just because the, the, you know, the the one from 1939 is just so classic, so well-made, so iconic, so ingrained in everyone's brains that, that that could be part of it. But I don't know. It just, I, they try, but nobody, yeah, nobody can, nobody can pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. I mean, you just think, I know that part of the problem is that MGM owns the rights to a lot of the IP within yeah. Wizard of Oz, things like so the you have slippers to, and yeah. slippers and the Elbrick Road and the, you know, things like that. And so they're forced to kind of go into the deeper mythology of the books mm-hmm. and not talk about a lot of the things that we know and love in the Wizard of Oz. And so yeah. it makes it tricky. But I mean, especially with someone like Sam Raimi in the in the helm, you just Well the t- the talent is good, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, they've just... all great in other stuff. But it just didn't, yeah. I thought this one just really fell flat. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. So have all the others, except for Wicked. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just weird. And I, I think it's because they there's maybe, I don't know, it's just a hard kind of mythology to make, uh, make positive, find that line between, because like, for instance, Return to Oz is so dark. And it yeah. you know, goes too far. And yeah, it's too dark. And stuff like that. Uh, and you have darkness in the original, of course. And that's the whole reason she sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But it's always coupled with sort of the hope and the goodwill and the friendship and other things. It, it That balance is, I think, very tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, I, I wonder with this, I mean, you know, I talked about this. I can't necessarily bl- blame blame the CGI Mm-hmm. But you know, just sometimes CGI heavy movies, at least for me, sometimes they just don't work. And yeah. and and uh, if it's just for lack of really being able to take your 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 brain, you know, to to this place that they're, they're trying to present, sometimes I refer to it as CGI throw up, and it's kind of yeah. a gross, sorry, it's kind of a gross phrase. But but uh, yeah, but it's often what it feels like. You know, that's what I remember with this one. It's just like. All I'm looking at is this, you know, is this place, and I don't even necessarily want to go to this place that they're presenting, you know. Um, yeah, and- it's a weird thing. I was actually t- I was talking about it in my um, blind spot review for last month was on uh, God the original Godzilla from 1954, and I was talking about how this with both King Kong and Godzilla, the originals, they have so much more. Uh, charm to them and so much yes. more uh they're just more interesting mm-hmm. despite the lack of realism that yeah. you get in the cgi like i would way rather see the the creativity in the stop motion and the suit suitimation yeah in those films than the you know the cgi realism of uh, yes it's just there's more creativity to it yeah to me. yeah agreed yeah interesting yeah well, it's very interesting <clears throat> I had a nine. I had the fifth estate. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
and this is one I struggle with a little bit because it is oh, well absolutely. made. It's well done as far as the acting, I think is all good. Great cast, but I don't know. Well, it's a, I just, it's a stellar cast, but I, did, yeah. I, mean, I have it at number eight. So we just kind of swapped. Oh yes, because I just think Julian Assange is a snake, and I don't really appreciate a movie being made to kind of. I mean, it's not a total hero piece, but it's more than I'm really comfortable with, and I I think he. I don't know. I just don't think he's a good person. I think he was a traitor, and. Uh, I just, I just, so more, it's more on sort of the subject matter and the person it's well done, but I guess kind of felt this was, this was a complicated one in that yeah. the, uh, yeah, I'm with you The like Julian, Julian Assange to, to make him in a way, I mean, they're making him the protagonist, right. even though it's almost, it's almost like, it's more like Daniel Bruhl's character is the protagonist, but it's it's all Julian Assange, you know, mm-hmm. and Benedict Cumberbatch does. A, I mean, of course, he's he's great at it, you know, most mm-hmm. everything he does, right? And so, I and and all of the actors were. I mean, you know, they've got Stanley Tucci and Laura Winnie, yeah, and and it's like I want to like this movie, but I I just I never I just never could get into it. Uh, I. Uh, I I saw it in the theaters, but I rewatched it because it was one that I just didn't have really kind of fresh in my brain mm-hmm. and, and it's like well no wonder because it's just not a good film i mean no i i think i saw <laughs> yeah. it and just completely forgot about it because i had never seen it so this was a uh, first time watch for me and i didn't think I, I had mixed feelings about the way it was made again i think they, there was a lot of craftsmanship and care and it's complicated in that you know there's all this so much of the action is people typing and how do you make that interesting yeah and and i thought that they really tried but so much of it, I also got, I kind of got sick of, of, of the close-ups of people and it kind of just, again, like the way it was, the way it was shot. And, um, again, I think mostly too, because it's just like, man, I, Julian Assange just seems like he's just a bad dude. Yeah. Um, I wrote my review. I said, it felt like watching people stare at screens for two hours. <laughs> 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 yep <laughs> exactly and julian Sanchez is a snake <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I, so I, yeah we're on the same page it was this. hard for me to pick again which one to do was you know as eight or nine because almost it was almost like a tie mm-hmm. between those two for me yeah same for different reasons but yeah <laughs> Well, so the it's interesting because the next two for me are my are the Marvel movies because I actually have them. I have Iron Man three and Thor: The Dark World next to each other in my Marvel rankings. I basically, oh, interesting. Yeah, I feel about the same for they're both two of my least favorite Marvel movies, and so I have Thor: The Dark World at seven, <clears throat> and I I do sometimes defend this movie a little bit because I I think that anything with Thor and Loki, I'm going to enjoy at least a little bit uh-huh. because I love them. I love yes. their characters. And I do think that the final battle is pretty fun where it's switching between the different, you know, different worlds yeah. and all that. Like it's, it's entertaining, but all the stuff with Maligan is such a snore. It's mm-hmm. terrible. <laughs> yeah. And, 
so it's it's I don't think it's as bad as other people seem to think it is. I still think it's a watchable Marvel movie, but I recognize its flaws. I certainly didn't go fresh on it. Uh, I think that Natalie Portman is really bad and she has no chemistry with Chris Hemsworth. We'll see if she can when she comes back in the next one. We'll see. But I have Thor The Dark World as seven. Uh, I have it at six. Okay. Um, yeah. and, and, and for, and for all the reasons that you just stated, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I completely agree. I, um, with you, I, I, the, 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 the fun stuff is the, is the Thor and Loki relationship and just those mm-hmm. actors, you know, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston are so great in those roles. And uh, Endgame did help to make Thor, the dark world a little bit better. Yes. Because it did, it, it put some bit more into mm-hmm. perspective and yeah. Which is a great thing that the MCU can do. We'll say I'll say the same thing about Iron Man three with Shang Chi, you know yeah. that that made yeah. that movie better. And so that's one thing that Marvel has in its uh, uh, deck of cards they can play. Uh, so for my number seven, I, I have Teen Beach movie. Uh huh. So and, what do you think of this one? Well, uh, you, you know I'm trying I'm trying to embrace the decom. <laughs> As you joke about, <laughs> this had much. There, there was a lot to like, and for me, a lot to just be kind of mm-hmm. bored, a little bored and frustrated. Mm. Uh, it's cute. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't want to rip on it too much because I feel like it's very earnest. And I thought that you would like it's sort of homage to classic. Yes, to the, to the classic beach, beach and, movies, and I, I did actually. I thought that I thought that the musical numbers were fun and. Uh, and, and and there was a lot of like I got really frustrated, Rachel, with the plot. And mm. again, I don't want to overthink. You know, I mean, I think I'm clearly I'm overthinking it, but I just <laughs> because it was, and I know that was part of the discovery of the movie. It was never really clear like how the two kids from the modern day got put into the movie. I mean, it happened. Yeah. You know, there was like the water and the storm and stuff, but. It was never really clear, clear, and then also never really clear to me how they were going to get how they could get back. <laughs> and I know that that's part of it. again they they have to figure it out. And yeah, there's the villain plot and stuff, which is again kind of classic Annette Funicello, Frankie um, mm-hmm. Avalon, you know, Beach Blanket, Bingo, etc. Yeah. You know, those are the the, the, the that the, just the classic '60s uh, beach movies. But um, so the, the plot just was driving me crazy um and then <laughs> yeah. and the villains were the villains were funny and again i don't really like those little villain plots in those in those frankie and annette <laughs> movies either mm-hmm. so that was that was my thing again i don't wish to overthink it because the kid you know the kids are talented and as we've discussed i love that the you know the american musical lives on in decoms yeah that's super fun uh yeah but, i but, I, I agree. I have this higher uh, because I, I think this is, I think Teen Beach is one of the best of the Disney musicals. Oh, nice. Okay. I, in my opinion, I think it's, yeah. it's a, got good songs. It's clever concept. It's, uh, it's a nice way to introduce kids to, to, you know, movies of the past. And yeah. Maybe get them to watch some of those. It would be fun. Uh, so anyway, so, what do you have at six? So at six, I have Thor. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. 
So I have Iron Man 3 at okay. 6 because I just, it's not, so people are like, people get upset that, that when people say they don't like the twist. I would have been fine with the twist if they had replaced what we were going to get with something interesting, but that's not what they did. So if they had replaced an interesting character of the Mandarin, played by Ben Kingsley, in this with something with something cool and interesting, then I would have been fine with the twist. But instead, they replace it with another boring man in the suit that has a grudge against Tony Stark. We've seen that a million times. I was not interested in that. And he was just so bland. I mean, I can't even remember his name. And I was like, why did we go from something that was weird and kooky and funny to this guy that I can't even remember? And I mean, I do like that the movie set at Christmas. I like the relationship between Tony and the little boy. Uh, that the whole idea of Tony kind of dealing with his PTSD from the Avengers uh, and what happened there. I think that was good. I think Robert Darren Jr. is good. I'm not a big Shane Black fan. I yeah. haven't really liked any of the movies of his that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his style is just not my cup of tea. Uh, yeah. The crassness, the, I mean, I, I just, it's just, I didn't love not the nice guys that everyone else loved. I just not a big fan of his style. And so I didn't really love it here in in the Mar- in the Marvel movie, I can see why other people like it because it is different and it tried something different. And I don't hate it. I don't really hate any Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't really like it, and I don't think it works. And so that's why I have it six. I have I have it a little higher, but I don't I don't I'm not critical of any of any of your statements. I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you have at five? So at five, uh, and I can't believe I have it as high as I do, is Delivery Man. Yeah, same with me. Oh, five. do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I, I surprisingly enjoyed this movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I kind of can't believe it. Cause, but also, you know, I was comparing it in a way to The Fifth Estate because I thought, you know, here's a movie that I probably shouldn't like that isn't, you know, I mean, I guess it has a better character arc. Because there's no character arc really for Julian Assange. He's just like a creep the whole sh- the whole show. Yeah. Whereas in Delivery Man, you know Vince Vaughn's character is really trying to be better. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, so I think I enjoy that. But but a great you know a great cast, kind of kind of a you know an interesting plot. Yeah, <laughs> but, based on a true story. But, yeah, based on this true story, um, and. Uh, but I, I I just I just liked it. I just you know I I ended the movie and I just I mean it was almost it was it made, just made me feel happy you know the way that the way things worked out in this film. Yeah, this is a really sweet movie. I do it is. It, I do think it kind of uh, I I I got was I I I got kind of tired of it towards the last like third of the movie. It was starting to kind of lose me a little bit. Yeah, but. Yeah. It, it really has a sweet heart and it's uh, about you know, someone trying to be better, as you said, and uh, trying to be a good father and just try to interact with people, make their life better. Kind of it gets this sort of guardian angel almost feel to yes. it in a way. 
which was cute. And it does have a great, great cast. Uh, Kobe Smulders, she's just gorgeous. She is so good in this movie. And I feel like she she is such a critical role. You know, she plays such a critical role in it. Yeah. And I'm with you because in the third act, when things start to really, I was, it was going south for me too. And then Colby Smell, she brought it back. Yeah. You know, she, she, and a tribute, I think, to the screenwriters as well. And that the way, you know, the way uh, they wrote the script. And Chris Pratt, this is our last, uh, <laughs> last cinematic sighting of Fat Pratt. <laughs> He's great. He is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he plays the he plays the attorney of Vince Vaughn's character. He's yeah. Really, he's really good. He's funny. And then Britt Robertson is one of the kids. And Jack Rayner. I love him so much because you know he's in Sing Street, which is my favorite. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm always excited when I see him in a movie, except for uh, Transformers. <laughs> <It's terrible. laughs> but the rest of this, I've, I've always rooted for him because I, I just love uh, him as an actor. I think he's really great. And so it's just, it's this charming, if people haven't seen it, it's this movie about this man who finds out that he, through being a sperm donor in his 20s, he has 533 uh, children and 142 of them want to meet him. <laughs> And so it's it's surprisingly charming it is it's it's surprisingly charming i think you know and and they they focus on what maybe five or six of the kids so you get to know them just a little bit better too i think the the way that they handle his reaction and relationship with with one of the one of one of his children who's severely handicapped Mm -hmm. uh that's tender and yeah. and uh and that could have gone i think in any number of directions you know either to either maudlin or disrespectful um and they had thought they handled it in just a beautiful way and that's what i think when i really got hooked i think was when you know when that was going on I thought, okay I, I i like how i like how this film is is developing and i really like you know again i think Vince Vaughn's character has a really great character arc in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my number four is Teen Beach Movie is where I have Okay. It. Yeah. yeah. And I just think this is fun. I think it's a fun romp uh, in homage to Gidget and the, yeah. and the movies of the 60s, Nick Finicello, uh, all of that. And it has some fun choreography. It has some... Uh, enjoyable songs i like ross lynch i think he does a good job uh for this kind of thing and like i said i i would put this as one of the better uh decoms just period if i was making a ranking this would definitely be in my top 10 uh, excellent okay DCOMs. yeah yeah for sure. and i think too in, in a way i feel like i still am somewhat even though what now i've i mean i've watched more than i have in the, in the past which was zero uh, right. <laughs> i uh you know, I, I'll be glad to as we continue to you know watch some more, and I'll I, pr- I probably could change my mind on it after I see some other other hey, ones. Hey, at least 2013, you only had to watch one, so that was nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unlike some years where there's four. <laughs> I know there's like four. 
and you know, then match that with the Lone Ranger and Oz the Great Powerful, right? You're like, oh. I'd way rather watch almost any of those decoms than watch Oz the Great Powerful yeah. or the Lone Ranger again. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm All with right. You. What's yeah. your number four? My number four is, is Monsters University. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I, I really like this film a lot. I just like the other three, the other three mm-hmm. that are left better. But uh, this, I think this film it is, I mean, I, I, I love that Pixar tackled the college movie. Yeah. I think that that's, you know, and, and, and I thought that they, that they aced it, but they also, it, I still, I'm so surprised by this movie in that they, uh, how, how, what happens to, to, to Mike and Sully. You know that they they get kicked out of college, <laughs> and and uh, to me that was so unexpected and unexpected. Yeah. And, and I thought that was a real a real brave move on on the filmmaker's part mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. take it in that. Direction. I have this at three, so and I agree with you. I think that it has a really bold message mm-hmm. of your dream might not come true. Hey kids, mm-hmm. surprise. It might, yeah. and you might have to figure out a new dream. Mm-hmm. You might work, you might work really, really hard, and it's and it's not going to work out, and that's okay, and that may be even for the best. And I love that. I think that's a really great message for kids. It's a, yeah, it's an important everyone. life lesson. Yeah, and and uh, and just expertly done mm-hmm. in this. I think in the, in this context, and I love the animation. I love the new characters that they brought in. Mm-hmm. And for it and uh, it's it's i think it's just a really good film yeah and you and i did a whole episode yeah. on uh underrated animation yes. on monsters university on so. monsters university i was just gonna say <laughs> that was so fun to be reminded of our discussion yeah, yeah. So i'll put a link in the description if people haven't listened to that oh, episode excellent. they should because uh it was it was a good discussion yeah i mean the flaws of this movie is just it doesn't quite make sense with what they say in the original Monsters, Inc. as far as how they met. <laughs> so that's a problem. No <laughs> continuity problem. Yeah. Yes. And then also, I do think that the scare games go on a little long. Yeah, the scare games go on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's another reason why I have it just a little lower in my top five, you know, because mm-hmm. there's just some things about it that I don't think are just necessarily perfect, but. There's much to like about this. But I, about it. I do think it's probably the most underrated Pixar film. Underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Agreed. what do you have at three? So at three, I have Iron Man three. Yeah. And, and um, you know, as I said, I, I don't disagree with what you say about it at all. I don't know why I like it as much as I do. Um, I, I mean, I've tried to analyze it and particularly as I was trying to make this ranking, uh, I I think I I love so much that Tony Stark gets stripped of everything, mm-hmm. and and he has to figure out a way to rebuild. And uh, to me, I think that's what really really carries it. I don't necessarily love Shane Black films, but I thought in this context it was interesting. He was an interesting hire for this film. Mm-hmm. And 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 for me, uh, for me, it uh, worked. I 
I thought I'm, I'm with you. It's, it, it's, uh, Aldrich Killian, right. Uh, is the, is the name of the, of the bad dude, mm-hmm. um, played by Guy Pierce, right. Yeah. I mean, the one who, when we find out that it's really not the Mandarin and, and I know that a lot of like, particularly I think comic book purists too, and I don't blame them at all, were really mad about how the Mandarin was portrayed uh, in Iron Man 3. But I don't know. I just thought that Ben Kingsley was hilarious as Trevor. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love how they brought him back into shape. Yeah, <laughs> I love that too. That was really good. That was surprising and really funny. Yeah. I just keep thinking, why are we spending time with this snooze of a guy? It's the same way I felt about Spider-Man Far From Home, that why do we have to have a interesting villain swapped out for another guy with a grudge against Tony Stark? And we've already yeah. seen that so many times. So many times. Even when he's yeah. dead, we're getting, <laughs> yeah. we're getting people with a grudge against Tony. I mean, I don't know. It's just so boring to me. And... Uh, so that's what frustrated me and I just get annoyed when people are like oh you don't like this twist I'm like it's not the twist it's not that there was a twist it's what they twisted him out for right (laughs) right and I'm not critical of what you're saying at all Rachel I just just, for me I just like yeah you know and I do like that all of that with Tony. I think that his PTSD and and uh, dealing with his his uh, anxiety uh, that all really rings true for me. And I think that uh, that Robert Downey Jr. is excellent in those scenes. So I, yeah. I I can see why you put it a three. But let's talk about number two. I actually went back and forth between my number two and my number one quite a bit. What do you have at number two? At number two, I have Saving Mr. Banks. Me too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really thought about p- picking this as number one because yeah. there is one scene at Saving Mr. Banks that if you're talking about when movies actually like change you and make you a better person, I would put this scene very high up on that list. When he's talking to her and he's talking about how he was a kid and his father and you know, getting the papers the newspapers. And he says, he says, I'm tired of remembering it that way. And that really moved me and made mm-hmm. me because we all have those things in our lives that kind of are wounds, you know, that, that we have a hard time letting go of. And I, I sometimes people would say like, forgive and forget. And I would really struggle with that because it's impossible. You can't forget. It's part of your life. So, like, what do you do with it? And the whole idea of, I'm tired of remembering it that way. You know, to that you're not going to forget, but you can forget the pain mm-hmm. and and start to heal. And that was so moving. The first time I saw it, I was bawling. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's such a moving, lovely movie. And I understand the, the criticisms as far as, the portrayal of Peel Travers, but I have less sympathy for her because I really don't like her books. I think that Disney elevated it by a huge amount, <laughs> made it way better. I don't think that her Mary Poppins books are very good, but that doesn't mean she can't still be proud of them, obviously. 
but she signed the deal. She agreed to have the movie made. Yeah, she did. So, you know, I mean, then she's going to, and they, they have like the actual tapes of her saying a lot of this and they play it at the end. So I just, I mean, what did she think was going to happen when she sold the rights to her book for a movie by Disney? Yeah. Did she think that they, she was just going to have it however she wanted? Like, that's not yeah. how it works when you, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I understand why some people hate it, but I don't agree with them. I love this movie so much. Yeah. This, uh, I, I was so, I was so wowed by it. I thought it was so beautifully made. Mm-hmm. I thought Tom Hanks played an excellent Walt Disney because uh, I felt like he he wasn't necessarily just trying to imitate him. I felt like he was just trying to channel him. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I guess you know in a way, or just like you know. But um, the I loved how it was filmed on the studio lot. You know, the actual studio lot in Burbank because uh, I love that place. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite places. I've had you know, yeah. briefly I've had the chance to, to go there a few times, and I just I never want to leave. You know. <laughs> You know, on that on that wonderful studio lot, just because I think about all the history, you know, and everything that was there, and I I I love I love the script. Yeah. I love how I love how they talk about P.L. Travers' backstory. Colin you know, Firth her, her, is so uh, great. Oh, Colin Firth oh. is so wonderful in this in this movie. Yeah, I mean Colin Farrell, excuse me. Um, and, yeah. Uh, um, just it's it's just true it's it's terrific i mean it um, really has an incredible cast obviously oh. emma thompson is a legend she's incredible she's in, she's just so good at it yeah and tom hanks colin farrell paul giamatti paul giamatti yeah jason schwartzman uh, jason schwartzman and bj novak uh-huh. as the sherman brothers yeah. i mean come on you know? they're a little old for the role yeah but, but still i thought they pulled it off <laughs> <laughs> like they definitely the Sherman brothers would be like very old at this point. <laughs> but it works. They did a good job. Very, very sweet, very charming. And I I just like I said, that scene, I'm tired yeah. of remembering it that way. I mm-hmm. love that scene so much. Yeah. It's so good. It's 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 so good. It's just it's 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 just a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think hopefully one that's just going to hold up well over time mm-hmm. too. You know, I think people so. will be able to see it and kind of get a get a not only a snapshot of that time period, but I think a real interesting insight. Yeah, as 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 you, you know, as, as you aptly said about uh, you know life and and. Uh, how we how we interpret it and how we move forward. Yeah, yeah. And I I I think that almost every modern reader will agree that <laughs> Harry Poppins <laughs> books are not good. They're really not. <laughs> so number one, we both agree. Yes. Frozen. Frozen. <laughs> it's pretty tough. I mean, to beat out a such an iconic Disney musical as Frozen. I think it has such wonderful characters and on and also to have two princesses in a movie is really special. Uh, their and then they're sisters. Yeah, they're sisters. And of course, Let It Go is 
maybe the best I want song. It's certainly up there with part of your world. I would that. agree. In fact, I think it would probably be right after fall, you know, part of your world. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, the whole idea of Elsa being a character who's had to hide who she is and, uh, and had to go through this drama is really moving to me. And by the end, when she's finally able to, uh, well, she I means she, she thinks that she has, has let it go in, in the middle, but by the end, she realizes that truly the, the love of her sister, uh, that's the real, not isolation, but what love is the real, uh, answer. And, um, she has a whole new acceptance of herself and her family uh, by the end, which is beautiful. And I think that, that Olaf is one of the best of the side characters of Disney, because I know some people find him annoying, but in my opinion, he actually matters to the story in a way mm-hmm. that most of the sidekicks don't. Mm-hmm. He is there to tell Anna that, Oh, you, you don't know anything about love and some love is worth melting for. And all of that, I mean, makes him a really key character to the story and, uh, and all the music is wonderful. And well, the music is one of the highlights oh, of yeah. this film Agreed. too. Um, you know, the Lopez's. <laughs> and, the, uh, and the animation is beautiful. Oh, it's stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, we covered, we co- we've covered both Frozen and Frozen 2 in our, uh, uh, in our Disney, yes. Disney series. Uh, so we can put some links down to that. Uh, it's just a, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, it's classic, classic Disney. It's you know it's it's just hard to beat. I think that I think that, it, that it's mm-hmm. just such a good, it's such a good film. So so beautifully crafted, fantastic characters, really good plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of the best. Not only are the songs great, I think the score by Christoph Beck is terrific too. And and uh, I, I I yeah I. I'm a fan. Love this movie a lot. Me too. Yeah. There we go. Well, let's go over our rankings. So I have Frozen at one. I have Saving Mr. Banks at two. Monsters University at three. Teen Beach Movie at four. Delivery Man at five. Iron Man three at six. Thor The Dark World at seven. Oz the Great and Powerful at eight. The Fifth Estate at nine. The Lone Ranger at 10, Planes at 11, and Wings of Life at 12. All right. And then for, for me, I've got Frozen at number one. Uh, number two is Saving Mr. Banks. Three is Iron Man 3. Four is Monsters University. Five, Delivery Man. Six, Thor The Dark World. Seven, Teen Beach Movie. Eight, The Fifth Estate. Nine, Oz, Good, Great and Powerful. Ten, The Lone Ranger. 11 planes and at number 12, which is still, I still, it's still number 12 <laughs> wings of life. <laughs> you know, it was just, it just occurred to me that this is the first year we haven't really had any remakes unless you count Oz the great and powerful. Yeah. Uh, which was a prequel, but we haven't had any, we didn't have to watch any of, of yeah, the live thankfully. action remakes, <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no live action remakes and and uh uh yeah, I it's and it was interesting too cuz you know and 
12 films is kind of a small list. Yeah. In a way, in a lot of ways, because it seems like it's the the, the numbers have been definitely higher, you know, as far as. Because there's also no. Oh, well, no, what I'm saying maybe because uh, uh, because the good dinosaur got moved. Yeah. So moved around and yeah. Um, I'm trying to see. I did post on Twitter and I got a ton of comments. Uh, we have uh, Shanshu says the Shanshu 73 says the best was Iron Man 3, the worst and the worst of the decade was the Lone Ranger. Uh, Cameron Ward says, I think Frozen and the last third of Monsters University might be the only good thing from that year. Uh, Adam Sucklings, he he ranked everything and he has Frozen, Oz the Great and Powerful, Monsters University, Iron Man 3, Teen Beach Movie, Thor, The Dark World, Saving Mr. Banks, Delivery Man, Wings of Life, Planes, The Fifth Estate, and The Lone Ranger. MC Meyer says the order of the ones I've seen would be The Lone Ranger, Monsters University, Thor 2, Saving Mr. Banks, Iron Man 3. I enjoyed The Lone Ranger a lot, actually. So there you go. Uh, Kate McCree says, I think the only one I saw was Saving Mr. Banks, and I loved it. Uh, Jadem Sapp says, Frozen and Monster University are great, while Planes is pretty mediocre. Uh, Matthew Earnhardt, he says, uh, Teen Beach Movie, number one. Uh, Monsters University, Frozen, Oz the Green Powerful, Saving Mr. Banks, The Lone Ranger, Iron Man 3, and Thor the Dark World. Uh, LS, L- LSR42 says, well, uh, Iron Man 3, Frozen, Saving Mr. Banks. I've got to put Thor 2 ahead of both Lone Ranger and Oz, don't I? That was a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> and one more. Uh, so 22 Keller, Keller Joe says, the only thing that matters is that everyone has Saving Mr. Banks at number one, Frozen, and Monsters University in their top three. That Excellent. is some thoughts from people. So yeah, let us know. fun to get other thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, let us know what you think and where you would rank these 12 films. We would love to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. And uh, thanks so much for your tweets and comments and everything. And and this was a lot of fun, and it'll be fun to do 2012. Yes, <laughs> be I know. I'm already looking forward to it. Me too. Uh, so where can people find you, uh, Stanford? On Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark. I have a movie podcast and blog at moviespastandpresent.com and also follow uh, me on Instagram, which is at moviespap, which is movies past and present. Great. And we'll have all that in the description. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check all of that out. Make sure you're also following the Hallmarkies podcast. Uh, we really appreciate that support over there. And uh, please like this video. Please subscribe to our channel. And then also, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that so much. We also have the merch store, which has hashtag animation junkie shirts. So you want to check that out. And then we also have our Patreon group, which has tons of fun discussions. And uh, we really appreciate that. Support's only $2 a month to join. And you get to be part of watch-alongs and other fun things. So please help support the podcast. And uh, thanks so much, Stanford. We will talk next month. And Thank bye, you. Bye.